This is a Boardwalk Audio podcast. I just drink wine. Hello and welcome to the Wine Situation episode uh, 11 of season 5. I thought about making it a new season because the new year, but so far 2021 is just as weird and shut down as 2020, so I was like, what the fuck? Let's just stay with season 5 and go on to episode 11, which is the 112th episode I've ever made at the show. What is the wine situation? Well, the situation, oh god, the situation is um, is not great, at least in Los Angeles. I don't know if it's any better... Well, I guess maybe it's better other places, but um, yeah, you know, there's there's coronavirus uh, going on and our, you know, our, our emergency rooms are full. So what I'm saying is you're at home alone, hopefully. Right now, it sounds like it's it's uh, it's 1055 on Saturday night and it sounds like there's some neighbors in the building across the way having a party. Uh, that or else whoever lives there sounds like a lot more people than they are. I don't know. Anyway, um, hopefully you're at home by yourself or with whoever you live with. And that might mean that, you know, you're drinking alone. <clears throat> so I, L. Clifford, Ellen Clifford, if you prefer, I don't care. I'll take it either, either way. Um, <laughs> I'm here to be your drinking buddy. Uh, you know, I will give you some education about wine. I'll try and make you laugh here and there. We'll talk shop. We'll talk about life. Uh, we'll go on tangents. We, by we, I mean me. Because, uh, you know, this podcast, it is full of segments. And from those segments shall spring from the heads of these uh, segments, like Athena from Zeus's head, will spring tangents. Uh, you know, I might talk about goth things. I might talk about cats. I'll probably talk about food sometimes, although I don't think I have a reason to on this episode. Oh, I might. Um, you know, I, I will just be here to make you not feel so alone whilst you drink. Or maybe you listen to this while you jog. Maybe, maybe, I mean, I have a friend who listens to this and he doesn't even drink, but he, he just, you know, he listens. He says he listens on one and a half speed, which it makes me a little leery of when I talk really fast. Because then I'm starting like I'm really... Matt, I hope you um, <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that at your one and a half speed. I probably sounded like an ultra chipmunk. I don't know. Um, yeah. So I, uh, you know, in case you're this is your first time here, I'm uhing up a storm. I'm so sorry. As I said, my name is Ellen Clifford, or L, if you prefer, and I am very close to having a diploma from the Wine Spirit Educational Trust. How close? I'm not entirely sure, but I taken all the time. I'm waiting for results, guys. It's nerve-wracking. Um, a, a diploma from the Wine Spirit Educational Trust. I'm not sure if I finished telling you that term. I'm a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers. I write for Delectable. I write for Venice. I host this. I do a bunch of stuff for a wine import company that my name doesn't go on. Although once I have my sweet, sweet diploma and once I become a master of wine, perhaps they will want my name on it and perhaps I'll get paid more for what I do. Um, <laughs> but I cannot complain. So that's why I think I'm like relatively qualified to tell you things about wine, probably. I, you know, I'm also a graduate of the Upright Citizens Brigade School of Improv Comedy. So clearly I'm made to make you laugh. Before we go too much further, 
how are you doing? Because this fucking week, the first week of the new year really did feel like a whole year. <laughs> like, or maybe not a whole year, but it just, just like, was that just a week? Uh, the Capitol got stormed by crazy people. What, what else? Uh, Trump got kicked off Twitter forever, I hope. Good God, I hope. It's just already been sort of a, a nutty new year. So I just, I hope you're doing okay. Feel free to hit me up uh, on Instagram. I'm at Ellen Clifford. Also at The Wine Situation. You know, send me a DM with a picture of what you're drinking. Or just say hi and just tell me how you are. I really want to know. Especially, like, I love when I hear from those of you who are in, like, other parts of the country or other countries. Because it's just... You know, it's fun to picture what's happening on the other side of the world. Uh, you know, you can text me if you're my friend. Call me. Just call and say hi, please. Just just say hi. I'll say hi back. We can leave it at that. <laughs> it doesn't have to be anything more than that. Sometimes you just need a nice, friendly hi and a virtual hug. Okay. Uh, I, myself, I'm, I'm okay. I've got my work's the same. Uh... Pandemic person isn't staying here, so I'm like, you know, my fridge is still very full of beverages and condiments, but like slightly less full than it was, but still so many beverages and condiments, guys. Um, I'm reading the Barack Obama's latest, uh, A New a Promised Land, and it's it's good so far. It's like 700 pages and I'm only 40 in, so it's good so far. It's keeping me going. Eh, what else can I tell you? Oh, um, I... I one second prize in this contest called the Art of Psalms to promote Bordeaux wines. I was put on Team Bordeaux Rosé, so that was fun. So I, I don't know, I'm doing, I'm doing okay, and I hope you are too. Please report back so I know what's going on. Okay, I've rambled enough. Let's get the agenda for the day so we know what segments will turn into what tangents. Well, we don't know what the tangents will be. Those are the mystery factor, the, the X factor quite possibly make the wine situation what it is. I don't know. I'll let the tangents speak for themselves. Okay, the agenda. We are going to have a really fun, oh, I'm excited about this one, game of who, what, when, why, wine, where throughout the podcast I drop the clues, the who's, the what's, the when's, the where's, the why's, for a booze, and you, you get to figure out what it is. We are going to have a sexy soil. That's right, a sexy soil. We, are, of course, are going to drink a wine that, um, well, there are multiple people involved with it, but uh, at least a couple of them were women. Uh, this one uh, is from the Finger Lakes, so that's cool. We're going to have a boozy update, which is a segment I just made up because, I don't know, I just felt like talking about some of the stuff I've been drinking recently when not on, on the show. Um... And then we'll reveal what the who, what, when, where, why wine was. And then we have a final five questions with my dear, dear friend, Rebecca Rose Phillips. You guys will really enjoy it, I think. Okay, that's the agenda. So it's merely seven minutes into the podcast, and we've gotten this far, guys. We're doing good. We're doing good. I'm going to get you out of here at a reasonable hour, and myself... Probably not to bed by midnight, but it won't be because I was still talking to you an hour later. Okay, your who is Lady Danbury, who maybe there was a real person, but as far as Lady Danbury is um, Danbury, maybe you pronounce D-A-N-B-U-R-Y, a character in the show Bridgerton on uh, Netflix, which I'm... 
God, you guys, I love it. I watched it once already. I may watch more of it again after this. Actually, I want to do a whole booze um, sort of rundown of everything they drank. Anyway, uh, when Lady Danbury asked for a glass of this in Bridgerton, I was like, oh my God, that's a deep dive. People aren't going to know what the fuck she just asked for. So good thing I'm here to tell you. <laughs> cool. That was your first clue. Shall we have your sexy soil? Your sexy soil. And you all know how much I love the name Grey spelled with a Y. So it, to me, it's extra sucky. It's not extra sucky. Although if it's sexy, there might be... Sorry, that's a really bad joke. Um, your sexy soil is Grey Wacky, which is spelled G-R-E-Y-W-A-C-K-E. Grey Wacky from the German Grauwack. G-R-A-U. W-A-C-K-E. I, I probably pronounced that wrong, but fortunately, according to Dances Robinson, the way you pronounce what I was always calling gray whack is actually gray wacky. What is it? Well, it is a sandstone, which is a, a subcategory of sedimentary uh, soil, which uh, sedimentary as... <laughs> I, I was looking up to, I tend to think limestone is probably the most well-known sedimentary uh, soil, like, which is made up of basically like the compressed and like broken down strata of like dead sea creatures. Uh, although apparently sandstone, oh, so as Alice Firing said in A Dirty Guide to Wine, the best book on soils, I'll explain why in a second, uh, Sedimentary rock um, or soil is slurry from the bodies of H2O under conditions of pressure and time. So yeah, like all those dead things. But sandstone is more made of minerals like quartz and feldspar, uh, apparently. You guys, I know soil is confusing because sometimes people describe it by texture and sometimes they describe it by type. And let me tell you, in A Dirty Guide to Wine, she does a really good job of just like breaking down you know, soil, like I said, it can be a texture, you know, it can be sand, gravel, silt, loess, um, or it can be like the type. So there's sedimentary soil. There's also igneous soil, which is like, like volcanic soils, basically like lava, whether under the earth or outside the earth. Uh, that's kind of what makes up igneous soils. And then there's metamorphic soil, which uh, that's basically what happens after some time <laughs> to the sedimentary or I'm sorry I'm going into soil in general we want to hear more about gray wacky so as I said it's a sandstone that has a, it has a high clay content apparently although then I was reading other things saying sometimes it's more hard rock and sometimes it's more clay it tends to be go figure tough, dark, and gray. Although, once again, Wikipedia was telling me it could be other colors, but when it comes to wine regions, I think it's generally tough, dark, and gray. And what's kind of unique about it is a lot of soils are a little bit more, um, or at least other sandstones, are a little more uniform and like particle size. And this apparently, according to James Robinson, shows jumbled grain size. Jumbled grain size. And nothing sexier than jumble especially if it's tough, dark, gray, jumble. <laughs> so this, whatever the size of these particles are, they tend to be very stony and they tend to be good at draining, which 
makes sense when you consider that like the the gray uh, wacky people probably know of best because god knows we everyone knows gray wacky um is found in gimblet's gravels which i think was actually a who what when where why wine um topic on another show gimblet's gravels is found in hawks bay which is in the northern island of new zealand and so their their gray wacky comes from um it's it's an alluvial gray wacky, meaning like it's it's by the it's by the river. Um, yeah. So in Gimblet Scrabbles, they have this great free uh, free draining gravel, and you know what that's good for? That's good. Well, think about Bordeaux. At least the left bank Bordeaux. It's very it's very stony there. So that's what they tend to grow in Gimblet Scrabbles. So where else can we find gray wacky? Well. As you might have guessed from the German origins of its name, it is also found in the R, A H R, and the Mosul, and I believe also the Middle Rhine um, of of Germany. It's also found in the Russian River Valley. I think there might be some in South Africa. I'm uh, anyway, but people most know it for New Zealand, where those free-draining soils are great for ripening uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and such. Also, these days, more and more, you're seeing a little Syrah. Oh my god, there's some really good Syrah um, coming out of Hawke's Bay, Gimbal's Gravels. Let me tell you, it's made by, um, uh, uh, why am I blanking on what it's called? I will think of it if I'm not trying to think of it, probably. Uh, is it crew? Or is that another one? I want to say it's just crew. Huh. Um, anyway, so you guys, that was your sexy soil. See, easy peasy, gray wacky. Now next time you're drinking a Hawks Bay, Gimblet's Gravels, Bordeaux blend, you can be like, you know what this girl on? A gray wacky. And people will be like, what's that? And you'll be like, it's an alluvial sandstone, which means it's a sedimentary rock that's tough, dark, gray and has a jumbled grain size in Estonian free draining. And at that point, they will just be chugging their wine because they'll be like, get me out of here. But you will feel smarter. I hope you feel smarter already. I kind of do. I always have a hard time remembering what gray wacky is until I... Well, actually, there's a lot of things I have a hard time remembering. But uh, doing these like little segments on the pod actually really helped me. Like Whenever I write about something, I know about it better. Anyway, okay, let's have another clue. Yeah, because I am in a hurry to get to the wine, which is not staring at me right now because it's sparkling wine, so it's still in my fridge. But I am staring at my very sexy Zalto glass because, you know, sexy soils, salty, salty, salty glasses. Oh, God, you guys. Okay, let's have another clue. Your who was Lady Danbury, who across the glass of this in Bridgerton. Your what is a fortified wine? Okay, so the wine that I will be drinking with you today is by Dr. Constantine Frank. It is their 2013, uh, God, it's not in front of me, so something I can't remember. They're they're brut, which means like, you know, it's dry. I think if I think the U.S. uses the same standards, that means it could have like up to 12 grams of residual sugar. I don't actually have a tech sheet on this particular one. So anyway, do, uh, so what's special about Dr. Constantine Frank? Well, they're now in like the fourth generation of the family running this. And he was kind of a cool dude because he was born in 1899 in Russia. He went to school in the Ukraine. I believe he was born in Russia 
And then apparently, I, I got all of this off the website, guys. In 1906, there's a quote saying, It was 1906 in Strasbourg at a festival. My uncle gave me two glasses of wine. I became drunk, and he taught me a bad Russian word. I repeated it, and my mother nearly fainted from shock. Since then, I have been interested in wine. Because, okay, A, at the age of seven, you're getting drunk at a Strasbourg festival and cursing out your mom. I mean, what else could make one more interested in wine than that? <sighs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought that was funny. So, yeah, he, he did a lot of studying of wine and plants and viticulture in uh, in his homeland and then got, like, a PhD in the Ukraine. And, you know, he learned all about grafting, like, right around when before Phylloxera came to the U.S., I believe. So he, like... So he eventually came to the U.S. to, like, New York and was smart enough... Well, he first of all, he's like, why are there... Why, why aren't you guys growing vinifera grapes here? And by then, of course, you know, they'd been through phylloxera, and so they were grafting stuff in um, in Europe. But I don't, I don't think right when he got there that maybe it had got into the U.S. yet. And anyway, they weren't worried about it because they were growing... So... God, there's so much to explain with wine. Now you guys are like phylloxera or rootstock. What is it? Basically, this thing called phylloxera, phylloxera came from the U.S. and like made its way to Europe and killed all the, the those were Vitis vinifera grapes. The Vitises that we have in the U.S. are different ones, like Labrusca, Estivalis, Riparia, Berlandieria, Rupestris. Anyway. Um, so he's like, but why aren't you growing any vinifera? And they're like, it's too cold here because in New York. It's pretty darn cold, but he's like, hey, guess what? I've been growing vinifera grapes over in Russia, and it's pretty damn cold there. And also, like, I'm going to plant some, and I'm going to, like, graft it, because, you know, this thing called phylloxera will get these vinifera grapes here, too, because phylloxera, yeah. Anyway, um, so he grafts it onto the appropriate rootstock from the American varieties, and he he planted all sorts of grapes. He planted Arcatzatelli, which is a, a Georgian grape. He planted Gruner Veltliner, Riesling, Cabernet, Pinot Noir, obviously, because, um, well, the wine that we're going to drink is made of Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier, and Chardonnay, so he, he planted those Champagne grapes. Um, it says he fell in love with the Finger Lakes, that, that's where this is in New York, for their exceptional characteristics, quote, poor soils and steep slopes. Exceptional, I'm telling you. Uh, so that's cool. He also invented this thing called hilling up, which basically means in the winter, they kind of like cover up the roots with, with a little extra soil to keep them warm. That's another thing he, he was just like, yeah, I, I can grow with these steep slopes, these poor soils and my know-how, I can make these vinifera grapes I can I can make them flourish, and he did to the point that you know it's uh well let's see it said he first planted them in 1958, so here we are. Let me see, 60, 60 something years later, and um he, his winery is still going strong, and my God, so I got to do it. I got to do a Zoom seminar with um. So, oh, who are the women involved with this? That's right. I should tell you about them. So the seminar I did was with Megan Frank. She's the vice president. She, well, let me read you her bio. Megan, 
or is it Megan? Shoot, I forget. It's spelled M-E-A-G-H-A-N. The great-granddaughter of Dr. Constantine Frank is the fourth-generation wine grower. After Megan uh, graduated from high school, she enrolled at Cornell University for a degree in communications. As her interest in wine and the family business grew, Megan earned her MBA in wine business from the University of Adelaide, Australia in 2013. Not settling with one degree, Megan completed her second master's degree in enology from Cornell Oh, her second master's degree in enology, so now she's got the business and the wine, from Cornell University in December 2015, with combined expertise expertise in wine business and winemaking, Megan has revolutionized the way the winery runs as well as the quality of the wine. She runs the day-to-day -day operations at the winery with a focus on winemaking direction, staff satisfaction, export markets, and guest experience. At the young age of 30, we have lots to look forward to. And she was like, she was super engaging. I was like, I bet when all this pandemic madness is over, I would love to visit that winery and hear more from her. So, okay, um, so, but also, so they have, they have a sparkling winemaker who's a guy, but they also have a consulting sparkling winemaker who's a woman, uh, that would be Barbara Frank. Barbara Frank joined the winery in 1989 as head winemaker after graduating from Cornell in 83 with a major in viticulture and a minor in fermentation science. Oh my God, that's hot. And then California State University, Fresno with an MS, ooh, in enology in 88. Previous, she attended Geisenheim Institute and worked at Domain Mum. That's two M's, Mum. Uh, well, actually, three M's total, one at the beginning and two at the end. Sorry. Uh, Schramsberg, Navarro Vineyards, and South Anderson Vineyard, where she met Mark Varaguth since 1992. Barbara stays involved at the winery as consulting winemaker for the Sparkling Wine Program. So... That's cool. So two women, probably more in the family, but those were just the ones most closely related to this particular wine we're going to drink. Uh, so what I'm going to do now is we're going to go to my fridge and get that bottle of bubbles. And we are going to open it. And I'm going to uh, cheers you and take a sip. Then we'll have another clue. And then we will... Oh, goodness. Can I talk to you and open... Bubbles, sparkling wine, traditional method, sparkling wine at the same time. I hope so. Um, and then we'll do, we'll, we'll play the game that's not a game, which is what's in the glass, where I walk you through a tasting of this, and then we'll get on with it. So, oh, this, this, here we go. Ooh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. A little loud, but not too bad. I've done worse. Ooh, it smells good. I actually did have. Uh, another bottle this but like that was months ago at this point so it's like a it's like a new experience um oh and yeah so at that seminar i took i got to taste a bunch of their other wines damn dr constantine frank is making beautiful wines out there in the finger lakes okay oh i forgot to tell you about the finger lakes they're glacial lakes and they help moderate the temperature that's all you really need to know that that also helps grow things besides the poor soils and steep slopes okay cheers Hmm. Ooh. Oh, God, that is so good. Oh, I forgot to tell you a few other, like, just details about this wine. Besides, it's made of champagne uh, grapes. Let's see. Let me look back. Um, do, 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 do. Yeah, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. 
It was disgorged in October of 2018, so that means it was on the lees, on the dead use cells, uh, for about five years, which, oh, that explains a lot of the, you guys. Okay. I don't know if you have to order from, you can probably find it other places, but good God, this is good. All right, so let's uh, review our clues and get a new one in the who, what, when, where, why wine. Who, Lady Danbury. What a fortified wine. When, I'm giving you the when of the first time I ever had this, which was October 15th, 2017, or at least that's when I posted the picture of it on Instagram. I was having a sort of a celebratory because I had just like gotten first place. I'd just been valedictorian of my um, introductory class to the quartermaster sommeliers and my friend Maurice came and had dinner with my dad who was in town and we went to Faith and Flower where my dear friend Jared Hooper was wine director and he brought us all these wines and at the end of the dinner he was like, I'm not even quite sure what this is and he brought, um, so it was like, you know, kind of for dessert. That's the first time I had this. I also had this particular booze that I'm talking about, this fortified wine, at the end of a... Um, a dinner for effervescence, which is a sparkling wine festival, which should give you another clue if you think about what kind of um, fortified wine would thematically... You'll, you'll see when we get there. Oh, that's enough of that. You know why? Because I freaking want to walk us through a tasting of this wine. It is... Okay, now that the fizz is gone, die. I'm putting more in my glass because... Let's let's uh, talk about this wine. It is sort of a, it's a light golden yellow, I would call it, uh, with oh the bubbles appear to be uh, medium sized and uh, they're not fleeting, but they're not or at least well now I'm looking, watching those little strings of bubbles rise up. Ooh, they're active. Ooh, they they're quite active. Okay. Uh, <laughs> On the nose, you get, oh, immediately like those. This is not so much a brioche and more of a, what kind of toast is this? It's not a whole wheat toast. It's not a white toast either, though. But it's not a rye toast, but it could be. But it could be. <laughs> um, candied lemon. Ooh. Mm. Definitely like a little bit of that, like sort of almost lactic character, like like a yogurt but less tangy. I haven't tasted it, so I don't know about tangy, but um, a little bit of like baked apple. Like, yeah, because this has had a little age on it now, so you get those oxidized notes, a little a little bit of nut, nuttiness. Like, yeah, definitely like a dried apple nature. Oh, it smells so good. I know that just sounds incongruent, but if you picture like apple butter or dried, like, some stewed dried apples on top of a piece of rye toast with some candied lemon rind. That sounds delicious. Oh yeah, and the bread would be buttered too. Oh, that's what it smells like. Let's see how it tastes. Mm. Mm -hmm. Oh my god. God, this wine makes me so happy. Um, medium plus acid. Let's, I would say the alcohol level is... Hmm. I'm going to go as high as 13.5. I'm probably wrong. It's probably like 12.5, but... Oh, it's only 12. Well, shit. You guys, I've not been doing well at my um, ability to figure out alcohol level recently. I keep going too high. I don't 
know what that means. Is it because I'm not drinking as much alcohol as at other times in my life, and so it seems like more? I don't know. Huh. Mm. Oh god, the bubbles, they're plush and sprightly. If you can be both plush and sprightly at the same time, like uh, th these bubbles, they're not velvet, but they're uh, not silky. What are they? They're plush, but somehow also sprightly. I don't know how else to tell it to you <laughs> than that. Um, flavor intensity is medium. Body is medium. The flavors that we taste are, once again, those stewed apples. Mm-hmm. Stewed apples, overripe lemon curd, lemon tart. A hint of, like, almost a vanilla thing going on. Um, ooh, ooh, uh, uh, toast again. This is, this is like a dark toast. A little bit of rye seed, a little, ugh. It's like pretty much everything that you smelled, but compounded by flavor and, mmm. Jeez, like an apricot jam. God, gosh darn it. Gosh darn it, I like this wine. How much did they charge for it? I need to buy more this this came to me when they were they were so generous with us for this tasting not only did they send us samples of um a bunch of the like samples to be put in mini bottles for us for this tasting of a bunch of different th of the varieties that that uh constantine frank makes but they also included a full bottle of bubbles for each of us except for um i ended up getting two of them because uh, i'm special i'm part of the bottle squad at least that's what all of us that are helping out with like distributing wine amongst the my, my friend christy norman you've heard her on the pod she now has this network of psalms that we do these tastings where we're like distributing people are either picking up or distributing these little tiny every sunday christy and i haven't helped with the actual bottling part yet but they 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 put uh, like 70 kits together of like different wine well actually next week it'll be scotch but different wines and then distribute them all over um so far i've been helping in terms of things like well now because there's so many people doing it even people in orange county there's sort of drop-off points to return the bottles all over the city so i yesterday was like running around and picking up bottles and bringing them back to christy that's what you call a tangent, folks. Um, anyway, I ended up, all of this says I'm special, so I ended up with two bottles of this. Thank God, because this is so good. And I was glad I had the, the bottle to open the night I opened it. Um, I had it with my pandemic person. This was months ago. Yeah, this was like right after I'd had my seizure. So this was like October. Um, and now I have this bottle to share with you guys now. What else does it taste like? Like there's maybe a little bit of dark fruit in there. I don't have the, I wish I had the text sheet on this, but... Ugh, maybe I should check other websites. I don't know, guys. Um, does it really matter? Do you really care? Or do you just want to know what it tastes like? It tastes like... Uh, yeah, you got a piece of rye bread. Light rye, but darkly toast, toasted. And it's got some salted butter on it. And it has a little bit of like apricot curd and lemon curd. Um, but also with like slices of stewed dried apple and um, maybe there's a blackberry on top. I don't know. You tell me. Taste this wine for yourself and you tell me. That's what I have to say about that. Let's think about the finish. Oh, it's long and it gets more yeasty and toasty and like 
savory in the best possible ways. Oh, it's so good. Should we think about front palate, mid palate, and back palate? Let's see. Mm -hmm. Oh. Front palette, you get mostly the tart. You get more of the nutty and the mid palette. And the back palette, you get the more like savory and also dark fruit notes. That's, I don't know, I feel like wine people sometimes use terms that I just don't like when they're like, I'm trying to think of an example, and of course now I can't. Uh, I can just tell you this. Um, that this is a delight, and you take one sip, and you're like, but what else? And so you take another, and you're like, oh, there, there's a vanilla boy in it being a vanilla boy, and now I feel like this, oh, um, like prickling, like it definitely, it feels very linear, like it shoots front to back, but then like at the end, like the finish, you feel it in the sides of your cheeks. I don't know what that means. I'm just telling you what I experienced. Okay, um... God, okay, one more splash, because I'm worth it. Um, I'm saying um way too much, I apologize. Let's get on with our game, you guys. Look up Dr. Constantine Frank. You can probably find it in places other other than my podcast. Uh, I've heard and seen of it about, like, check, I don't know, check, check your local retailer. So check just their website, you can order from them. Okay. Let's get back to who, what, when, where, why, wine. Your who was Lady Danbury. Your what was a fortified wine. Your when was the first time I tasted it, October, or at least the, where you could see an Instagram picture that this is in, um, which is October 15th, 2017. Your where is France. That's... The problem is if I give you more specific... I could say it's France somewhere in, like, the Paris Basin, <laughs> but that encompasses a few different regions. The Paris Basin. That's a whole nother story. You guys, there is so much about wine to know. Okay, uh, so I was going to give you, like, a booze update, both on, like, just a couple of fun things I drank, and then also, like, we'll, we'll get an update on the wine I've been brewing myself. Woohoo! So in terms of holidays, I mean, these were lonely fucking holidays. I'm used to being back in St. Louis with my whole family. I was lucky enough to get to share Christmas Day with my friend Shelby um, and her boyfriend and her two cats. One is named La Landon after the Gigal-owned uh, single vineyard wine out of the Northern Rhone, <laughs> except for he goes by Lando for short. Uh, which means he's Lando Catrissian. Yes! That was one of her cats. Uh, the other's name is Caesar. They're really cute, and they had Christmas sweaters. And, oh, we are going to talk about food. She made this amazing vegan shepherd's pie. Do you know what a, sh a shepherd's pie is generally? I want to say maybe lamb is traditional, but it's like, and there's like peas and meat and a bunch of stuff like that. that no bottom pie shell. It's, it's not like a pie how you think a pie. But there is, so you make this like meaty pea mixture and you put it in like a, a casserole and then you make mashed potatoes and spread them on top and then you bake it so the mashed potatoes get crusty. I guess that's how, why they call it a pie. Anyway, she made a vegan... Uh, shepherd's pie with it had like a lot of mushrooms and stuff and it was just like it was kind of a chilly day and so I brought for us to drink I brought a it's called Vigna Esmeralda uh, and it's 
made from muscatel, so it was like, you know, off dry from Espana sparkling wine. So we opened with that while they finished making the, the shepherd's pie. And then we had a Bordeaux, a Lofbank Bordeaux of some type. I don't remember exactly what it was. It was tasty. Oh, no, it was right bank. It was uh, a saint Emilion Grand Cru, and it was very Merlot-y, and it got, like, really, like, as it opened up over the night, we were like, we smell lavender and lilac, and it was a beautiful wine. So that was Christmas. New Year's? Dudes, I don't even remember. I had, like, a Zoom party to attend, uh, which I did, so we did, like, the countdown there, and it, it was good. I, the, the people on the Zoom are the people I've spent, like, the last... Well, this will be the fourth in a row that I spent with them. I used to always spend it with my friend Aviva because she, she would always come visit um, Los Angeles because her family is in California, or, like, around New Year's. And then after that, then I started having New Year's Eve, usually with my friends Alice and her boyfriend Gabe, and our friend Roy, I think the first time we got together it was just like the three of us. Oh, maybe also my friend Maurice. And then like um, then the next year, I think like the party got a little bigger. We were at Tabula Rasa two years in a row. The first year it was like there was almost no one, uh, no one there. The second year it was like packed, but uh, it was pretty cool because we were all cramped up at a table in the front, and then someone's like, um, this is like crazy, but like. We, we have this table in the back and we just like, cause it's, uh, it's, it's like too crowded for us. And you guys have these like, we were like feeling far apart and also we were by the door and these people basically gave us a better table in exchange for our table. Cause it like accommodated their needs better. Um, and then they sent us a bottle of wine anyway. Uh, wait, so that was the second time I had New Year's and then, oh, but here's the kicker is last year we all were at Roy's house and we were all just like bummed out, man. Like. Nothing seemed like it was good. Little did we know <laughs> that we would be overjoyed just to see each other on Zoom when we were celebrating the last for a while um, time that we could all hang out together. Anyway, why did I start talking about this? Oh yeah, I don't even, I I got from Gelson's. Ooh, oh, well that's the thing with bubbles is you, you I just burped a little. Um, yeah, I didn't drink anything too exciting. I got something from Gelson's because other things were closed, which was disconcerting. Uh, yeah, and I Zoomed with friends. I'm trying to remember if there's anything that jumps out of me that I need to tell you about that I drank recently. Oh, oh no, I told you about my Cosmo. Um, oh, right, so also I've been working on yet another batch of Bruzy. You guys can use the code ELLEN15 to get 15% off a... If you go to getbruzy, G-E-T-B-R-E-W-S-Y.com, you can get these like home winemaking kits. And, oh, you can hear me getting out of the fridge. I need to decant it again. So first I made a cranberry one, which was like way yeasty. Uh, and then I realized these kits are made for like up to a, a gallon and a half of wine. And I did it with eight cups, which is like one third that amount. So. This time I made a gallon and I used pomegranate juice. Whew, okay. Whew, there's, it's a little spritzy still. Um, so it's uh, fermented and then I put it in the fridge and then I've, I've taken it, uh, racked, racked it off its leaves, the, like the dead yeast stuff, a couple times. It could probably use another. But the thing is, I earlier this week gave a sample to a friend and he tasted it. He's like, this tastes good. This tastes like uh, pomegranate juice, but it's a little effervescent. 
So I'm smelling it. It still, it still smells like a little... They, it's kind of funny because we're like inoculating with yeast. There's probably some... Well, my friend... Uh, yeah, it, it's not natural wine, but some of the sort of bretty notes of it kind of remind me of natural wine. Uh, this is pomegranate wine, though, so let's just take a quick taste. Oh, hey! Oh, it's getting better by the day. Yeah, that's the thing. These wines, um, and the trick is, because it's hard to get the juice in the right size, you have to get, you buy, like, the gallon containers of, um, water at the store, and you, you drink the water, and then you buy several of the juices, because, so like, I don't know that I've ever seen a gallon of juice at the store. And then again, I haven't ever really been looking for a gallon of pomegranate juice. Anyway, and you put them all in the empty gallon container so they can ferment together. This tastes really good. It tastes like pomegranate juice, but... Yeah, oh, yeah, it's got like a little texture to it now. It's got like a little bit of like <laughs> the lazy nature, like you get a little you get a little bread on the pomegranate. And pomegranate spread on bread or bread dipped in pomegranate juice sounds good, and that's kind of what this tastes like. That's super fun. I look forward to I have one more packet of yeast to play with, so I might just do grape juice just to be more whiny about it. Or I might do like an apple cider. I'm not sure. So that's, you guys, that was just my boozy update of, you know, what I've been up to. Hmm. Aside from writing an article about winter white wine, which was so much fun to write, because I just got to like, you know, drink really good Chardonnays and like Roussans. And that's all I want in life. Okay, um, let's get back to the game that is a game. Who would win a white wine? Your who is Lady Danbury. Burry? Berry? Burry? Berry? from Bridgerton, the show. Your what is a fortified wine? Your when is October 15th, 2017. You can look at the picture and guess of the four wines in it, which one I'm talking about. If you know what a fortified wine is, that should be easy because three will be ruled out. Oh. God, I'm still enjoying this brute, this 2013 brute. Um, where was I? Your where is France. Your why? is you want wine for dessert because this is a little bit sweet or sometimes a lot sweet there's well i found controversial definitions of what this wine is but okay uh before that eh, have you enjoyed this i'm sure you have hopefully you've been like sipping something delicious even if it's ice cold water and that's your your, your juice of jam your jam for juice um what I'm saying is uh, go on iTunes, like write review. It actually apparently does help. I don't know, because nobody does it. <laughs> uh, but, you know, feel free to do that. Friend me up on the Instagram. Uh, do, do all those things, and I will keep making this podcast. I'll probably keep making it regardless, but I'll be in a better mood if I have some good ratings and reviews. Just saying. You guys, what was this fortified wine I was talking about? Well, it was a very special type of fortified wine called Ratafia de Champagne, or also known as Ratafia Champenois. So the Ratafia we're talking about, so there were two different definitions of uh, Ratafia. The one I'm talking about that I have had a couple times 
Oh, and that's why um, I said I had it at a sparkling wine dinner is because they wanted to serve something champagne-themed. So Ratafia de Champagne is a vin de liqueur, which means they take the juice, the unfermented the grape juice, usually from like the fourth, third or fourth pressing of it. So it's going to be like, it's it's going to have more like phenolic compounds, a little more like body probably, a little less acid. Um and then they fortify it with Mark, which is a clear brandy. Brandy is a distilled spirit of grapes made in France. I just, every time I try and explain a wine thing, I'm like, oh, but to explain this, I should probably explain this other term. So, yeah. So, anyway, Ratafia de Champagne is these, uh, this grape juice. They fortified it. Um, it's sweet-ish. Um, or sometimes very sweet. So here's the confusing things. I found a few different, apparently there are also ratafias that are just straight up liqueurs that are like mm, infused with all sorts of stuff, but those are made elsewhere. A ratafia de champagne is from champagne grapes. It's, it's the juice from them and Mark. But then I also found Jancis Robinson saying that the grapes are dried first, which I'm like, I don't think for Ratafia de Champagne they are, because I found another site saying that um, that in other regions they the, the Ratafia is just a term for fortified um, juice from raisinated grapes. <sighs> I'm so sorry, this is confusing. Oh, another term for vin de liqueur is mistel. Now, what are other examples of a mistel or a vin de liqueur? Which let me be clear about the definition of uh, vin de liqueur or mistel is that it is with the unfermented juice of the grapes that have been fortified with spirit. Um, so they also make a, I, I believe it's a Ratafia de Borgogna. They also make it like, um, oh, what's it called? I had it written down. Where did it go? And why do I, am I forgetting it? Oh, Mac Vin de Jura. That's another vin de liqueur. Anyway, I first had it, like, I think, Jared, when he served it, like was even like, I'm not entirely sure what this is, but it's tasty. And it was, it was like sweet. It, I don't know, it tasted like, I, just, I didn't make notes. I did not make tasting notes. That was silly of me. Um, but it was a delicious like way to end a meal is what I recall. Although apparently in France, they think of it as an aperitif, which would mean before the meal. Um, so Ratafia de Champagne, despite all these facts I gave you, remains a little bit of a mystery. Also, Lady Danbury just said, get me a glass of, um, Ratafia. So I don't know if she wanted the Ratafia that I have had before, or the other definition of Ratafia, which means it's a liqueur, so like a Swedened fortified spirit that, um, or maybe not fortified, maybe just a spirit that's been, like, infused with different stuff. Apparently, Ratafia also is a term they apply to biscuits that show the same almondy characters of the liqueur style of it. Life is a mystery. So is spirits um, and wine. And yeah, I'm sorry if I made any of that confusing, which I probably did. But if you get a chance to try Ratafia de Champagne, please do. As I recall, it was very tasty. Much like this Dr. Constantine Frank 2013 Brut Méthode Champenois from the Finger Lakes that I'm enjoying right here. Okay, well, what a day we've had. We've we've had a fun wine game for a wine that, like, if you, most people don't know what Ratafia is. Like, even wine people are like, Ratafia? Say what? Oh, oh yeah. Where did the name come from? 
I think it, I saw somewhere it came from like Rada Fiat, which has something to do with like, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ratifying things. Uh, so like a celebratory drink, but the, there were a few different like ideas on where the name came from because Ratafia doesn't sound very French and yet they use it there. Uh, okay. Yeah, so we, we had that. We had this delicious Finger Lakes wine. You guys got a review of my pomegranate wine, which, yeah, actually, I'm like, I would actually order a glass of that. Were I in the mood? I don't know that it would be my go-to day-to-day, but also this whole get bruisey kit thing, I'm like, oh, like one, a, a second try already, and it's like, light years better than the first try i can keep playing i can make i can make all sorts of wines guys so i could see this becoming a real habit <laughs> and i mean why not we're in quarantine we're drinking at home why not make our own okay um it's time for the final five questions so they're with as i said my friend rebecca rose phillips who's also part of the the psalm squad the bottle squad that i'm in she does so much work for that uh, she has a YouTube channel called Let's Talk About Wine, where she does like fast food pairings with wine. She's like a, a, a connoisseur of tacos and also hand wine. She is managing partner and wine director at Bouvette and Vintage. Uh, she's a total cutie and very fun and very funny and a warm, lovely woman who I am happy to have in my life. So please enjoy this final five questions with Rebecca Rose Phillips. Rebecca Rose Phillips, welcome to the wine situation. What's up, what's up, what's up? Oh, another day. Um, all right, well, let's just dive right into the final five. Question number one, so difficult. It's just, uh, what you drinking these days? What are you into? What am I into? You know what I opened the other night, and I actually just added this to my wine list, was the Meinklang Blaufrankisch. And oh, it's fun. so juicy, and it's one of those natural wines that drinks, like, super smooth and juicy and chuggable, so it's not, like, too natty funky. Um, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, blueberry Kool-Aid. It's so good. Ooh, yum. Yeah, I'm a fan, I'm a fan of mine crying. They do good work. <laughs> um, question number two is, what is either the best or most interesting pairing you've experienced and this can be any kind of food any kind of drink it could even be um farner she said cigars and burgundy was the most interesting pairing so any any kind of pairing oh I, I like that cigars and burgundy uh so i am obsessed with fast food and wine pairings so i experiment with this a lot but i will say the <laughs> the experimental pairing i did recently that blew my mind was albarino and candy corn um, why? Candy is very controversial. Uh, oh, I love it. <laughs> it has, you know, like for for people who don't remember, it kind of tastes like butterscotch flavored dried frosting. <laughs> and uh, you know, like if you left a tub of frosting out and it got hard, that's kind of what candy corn tastes like. Uh, but it has this sort of butterscotch vanilla flavor that I forgot about, and that paired with the peachy floral notes of the albarino and then that like salty mineral acidity it, it like the sweetness from the candy and the acidity from the wine didn't conflict they actually like just added all these dynamic layers it's a fucking killer pairing 
I'm a hundred percent trying this next time I can find vegetarian candy corn because I love candy corn. <laughs> um, awesome. Okay, question number three. Uh, since you are like the taco connoisseur, what's your favorite taco place? It, and if this is outside of LA, I'll give you a chance to name one both outside and inside of LA. And if, if your favorite's inside LA, then great. <laughs> well, my favorite is this tiny little stand that doesn't even have a name they sit outside of the york on york and highland park and uh it's just a guy and his wife and it's like not even a cart it's just like a little table that they set up but they fry these potato tacos in this um cast iron skillet and there's like cheese and soft potato and they're deep fried and then they hand them to you piping hot and you add your own like salsa and onions and cilantro and they're so good i haven't had them in almost a year because of lockdown but, uh, oh you should come to my of... neighborhood we have a place like that just uh at the end of my block <laughs> or where you did like the anyway sorry go on <laughs> oh no I, i'm like okay exactly where tell me where <laughs> but, yeah i love that little spot and then um otherwise i mean i you guys i love taco bell I can't, <laughs> I know it's like not authentic, but I, crunchy tacos are, I grew up vegetarian and crunchy tacos were the first, um, actually I had no idea candy corn wasn't vegetarian, but uh, I grew up vegetarian and crunchy tacos from Taco Bell were the first, like one of the first meat things I ever tried. And I was like, this is delicious. What is this magic? <laughs> and that has remained the same. I still love them. So I, I would say universally Taco Bell and in LA we're lucky we have a, a lot of those little tiny stands that are much more authentic and also delicious. Oh, nice. Uh, you, you know, I I can get down some Taco Bell, although I'm still mad about them taking away potatoes. <laughs> the potatoes um, and the Mexican pizza, which I never got with beef. I always got with beans, so that was vegetarian. And I know it's just it's heartbreaking. Travesty. Uh, um, okay, question number four. Since you uh, are also a connoisseur of canned wine, were you to decide to make your own canned wine, what style would you want to make and what would you name it? Oh, that's a great question. Um, oh, I can't think of a can pun fast enough, but I would try to come up with something punny to name it but uh, I just think that sparkling wine and I think cold lends itself to the can so certainly you could have a red wine in a can that's delicious but I think it needs to be something that could be slightly chilled and and is refreshing Um, so you need like some kind of a carbonic-y Beaujolais-y kind of style Um, and then otherwise like a really great sparkling a really good rosé I think all of those things lend themselves to the can um but yeah just nothing like you know you don't want any like tannic serious heavy <laughs> beefy nobody wants to drink that out of a can so uh something light and refreshing with a funny label <laughs> nice uh, my theory on the canned lines, having uh, done, done done some extensive research myself, is that, like, we're so used to when we drink something out of a can, it's, like, usually a soda or something, right? So we're used to the, like, the, the bubbles. So I was, like, I feel like the best canned wines usually are, like, the sparkly ones. 
Yeah, um, that totally makes sense. It's just that sort of like psychological drinking it and like taking a sip. You're like, I want this to be something refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> um, very cool. Okay. Uh, well, question number five, and we have been asking people since the dawn of the show, and it can be beverage or food related or not. And it's just what's giving you joy these days. I thought for sure you were going to ask me what I was wearing, but. <laughs> What are you wearing? <laughs> that, I'm sorry, that was going to be question number five. No, I'm kidding. Uh, what is bringing me joy these days? Uh, my dog. I, I've i always loved my dog, but I feel like there are times where I just kind of like fall in love with him all over again. And he got a little bit sick over Christmas and it kind of freaked me out and he's totally fine. But I think uh, going through that made me realize like he's getting older and he's not going to be around forever. And just these little naps that I get with him, the little snuggles in the morning. And it's just, yeah, they just, he does. He brings so much joy. He's just all good things, you know, he's just all love and loyalty and comfort. And I think that's having met your dog right now. Yeah, having met your dog, I I I I I see how you feel that way. He's adorable. <laughs> yeah, he's just a little, just a little sweetheart. But that is the first Aww. thing that popped into my head when you said it. So, aw, puppy dog. What's his name again? Henry. Henry. You guys, she has a really cute dog. So <laughs> check out. Oh well, that brings us to the the final thing in which I give you a chance to tell people where to follow you and whatnot. I'm like, if you want to see her dog, follow her on Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Um, if you want to um, yeah, where to find all your content. Yeah, there's shameless posts of the dog on my Instagram at <laughs> Taco About Wine. Um, you can also check me out on YouTube at Let's Talk Open Wine if you want to see some um, some fun wine and fast food pairings. And if you want to see me IRL, uh, I am currently at my wine bar. I'm actually just about to go in right now and open up. Uh, we're open for retail and takeout. That's Bouvette. We're in Sherman Oaks on Ventura Boulevard. Um, and then when things go back to a little bit more normal, uh, you can find me at Vintage Wine and Eats as well, my other wine bar, and that's in Studio City. And guys, I've been to both. She has great wine selections, and they're both lovely, lovely places, so definitely have to go visit right Gosh, now. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for doing this. I, I It's funny, I... I see you on, on the Zoom all the time, and then I, it's just always it's so good to keep connected with everybody in the community. Um, so I was really happy you were available to do the show. Yeah. Oh, my God. My pleasure. This is such a treat. I love your podcast, and I'm, a, I'm stoked to make an appearance. Yeah. Um, well, great. Well, have a great rest of your day, and I'm sure I will be talking to you soon, Rebecca. I can't wait. Thanks, Ellie. Cheers. Cheers. Glass. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with my pH. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with minute names. I just drink wine. I don't fuck with coffee mates. I just drink wine. Give me red, white, or say, Don't test me, motherfucker. I'm a sommelier. been a boardwalk audio podcast for more information and shows visit boardwalkaudio.com don't forget to rate and subscribe now